Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. What's the naughtiest thing you ever did? Oh, goodness me. I have to confess, when me and my friends sort of used to run through the fields of wheat, um, the farmers weren't too pleased about that. This week on Soho Service, it's all about sin. Starting off, let's get some Nina Simone. Nina Simone on Soho Service on Soho Radio. Thanks for joining me this week. We're very lucky to have Dr. Juice Juicer joining us. He's from the National Gallery, curator of the upcoming Sin exhibition that starts on the 7th of October. And we're going to hear from him in a second. But first, I wanted to play something that's a bit closer to my heart. It was Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement, last week. We weren't allowed to sing, and there are a lot of amazing melodies that come in the service and in the synagogue. So I thought I'd play this. For anyone who might have missed the tunes. We're very lucky this week to be joined by Dr. Juice Justra, who is um, the curator of an upcoming exhibition at the National Gallery, a sin, the exhibition Sin, um, originally supposed to be put on in January. February time and hopefully um, if all works out okay we'll be starting on the 7th of October um, this year in a few so about just over a week's time um, and then finishing all the way until um, the 3rd of January um, next year as well um, I think the best the best advice we can give um, in that respect is to go as soon as you can because no one really knows what's going to happen um, until then but we're very I'm very happy to have you on the show Juiced it's great to have you on here thank you Samuel um, and what I thought would be great just to begin with is if you could just give a bit of an overview as to how this exhibition came to be at all. Um, you know, why did you dis- how did you get involved in it? Um, and, and why do you think that why, why do you think the National Gallery um, as an institution felt the need to put an exhibition like this on? Um, my job at the gallery is, is basically very much to make uh, religious pictures more accessible or accessible in a different way to larger and different audiences. And when I started thinking about that brief, um, the, the, the theme of sin came to mind quite quickly because I thought that's an interesting angle of looking at our collection and exploring pictures in a new light and combining pictures in a way they haven't been combined before. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're so right. I think that sin, I think also I think we often especially if, you know, anyone who's been around the National Gallery, there are so many pictures of biblical scenes. And we sort of assume when we look at those scenes that we're looking at sort of these momentous moments that sort of show the the goodness of all these biblical characters. But I guess there is an underbelly to all of them as well that sort of it's showing the other side with that, as, as well in all those pictures. I think you're right. And I think uh, artists have always been fascinated by that underbelly. I think... 
artistically, the underbelly is often much more interesting than than the good, the virtuous. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's true in in painting, and that's what we'll focus on today. But also, obviously, in music. What what I thought would be useful then, um, just as to explore over the next um twenty minutes or so for the rest of the show, um, is to look through some of the. Um, pieces that are, you've included um, in the exhibition. Some of them are from works that I think we might be quite familiar with if you've been to the National Gallery before, some of their most famous works already, and others you've you've taken from other galleries as well um, on loan. And it'll be yes. interesting to sort of discuss those. I think we're, I'm hoping um, if we can sort of get the copyrights on and everything, I hope to have the images on our Instagram page um, as well so you can look at them. I appreciate um, discussing paintings on radio um, when you can't see them isn't always the best idea. So hopefully if you're listening <laughs> um, you'll, be, you'll be able to sort of um, look along with them on my Instagram on the Instagram page um, at soho.service and we can have a look at those as well. Um, so to start with um, we have two different paintings um, looking at that sort of scene of the Garden of Eden which I guess a lot of people would relate to um, first thought when they think of the idea of sin. Am I, am I right in that respect? Yeah, I, I think if you look at the theme of sin from a, from a sort of Judeo-Christian perspective, and, and the National Gallery collection, of course, lends itself to that perspective, I think that's why you have to start at sort of Genesis 1 and, and see what happens. And you, you realize that sin enters the world almost immediately. And and, do you th- and you see that's reflected in these paintings. I mean, even though a lot of them, and I, I will start off with um, the Garden of Eden by um, Jan Brueghel the Elder, yeah. um, which which I was struck by because you actually have to really search out for Adam and Eve in the painting. They're not even there, really, apart from in the very back corner. Um, and and, and that, I, I found that really interesting because, again, just as based on what you said about sort of sin is somewhere lurking in the picture, that you see them pointing at the tree in the very back corner, but in the front, it's, you don't, it's all just these beautiful animals. Yeah, and I, I think Bruegel did that on purpose. I think the idea is that here, here you have a paradise, a paradise that is untainted by human action. I think human beings are not very significant at this moment just yet. They be, they're about to become very significant. And the reason they become significant is by, by breaking God's law, by transgressing, by sinning. So you can, this is a very pregnant moment, if you can call it that. Things are about to go wrong. But by, by doing wrong, I think that's where human beings really make their mark. That's really interesting because it's almost like, you know, they're just, you're saying they're just another animal in this paradise, but then what differentiate, and we're so keen to, be, I guess, be differentiated from the other animals um, in, lo- in philosophy in lots of different ways. Um, but what, what you're saying almost differentiates them is, is just that, is that sin that they do. Yeah, it becomes a human story from there. And I think uh, everything was a bit more equal before that transgression. And I think in that, that human narrative, that, that question, what you said as well, what differentiates us from animals, what defines us as human beings, I think it's, it's captured in that moment. I, I, thinking about the National Gallery and just the position it takes, I remember it was about this time last year. And I, I think I'd gone for an interview somewhere. And, and afterwards, I, I, I saw the, the whole of, and I, I, you know, working at the National Gallery, I'm sure you would have seen as well, with sort of Extinction Rebellion taking up that whole centre of Trafalgar Square um, and, and sort of the, the protests they did there about, again, our relationship with nature. I guess that, you know, that question 
and that relationship with nature really hasn't gone away. It's still very much that very much present. Oh yes, yeah, more present than ever probably. And I think it's also important that that to to not forget that inside and outside the National Gallery, that's part of the same world. And I think the pictures inside the National Gallery, even though some of them were created about 700 years ago, still very much uh, have things to say about the world we currently inhabit. 100%. I mean, look, yeah, even look, just looking at these images of, of, uh, of, of all these beautiful animals, and it, just, it reminds me, I mean, even this week in the news, there was a story about these elephants who, who died in Africa um, from drinking from a pool that looks doesn't look, you know, indifferent from from the pool that we've got here and and, and whether or not we should intercede and, and to, to protect the animals and and it just the, again you're completely correct in saying the, you know these questions are are um are s- still present what's really interesting is if we move along yeah um we have this we have the same image not the same image but the same story rather um adam and eve this time um by uh, lucas cranach the elder um and it's a ve- this one's you know i think everyone would have seen this image at some point it's incredibly famous um but it's a ve- it's an incredibly different um, it's a, it tells an incredibly different story almost um, to the story we saw in the previous image, even though it's depicting the same scene. Why did you think it was good to sort of contrast these two? I think what Cranach does, and he he painted this this a, a version of this picture almost fifty times, I believe. Mm. It tells you something about how important this subject was to him. Um, I think Cranach zooms in on the on that moment. I think he zooms in on that moment where Eve hands the apple to Adam, that moment where you can see a bit of doubt, he's scratching his head, and it's mm-hmm. that, that exact moment where, where everything starts happening. But what I think Cranach also does is he plays with the idea of temptation. I mean, temptation underlies this sin, but he also plays with temptation of the human body by presenting us these two uh, very beautiful naked figures. And I think he very cleverly lays on different levels of temptation in this picture. It could easily be Adam sort of looking at Eve in that way, as opposed to sort of the giving her, because the, they're not even looking at the apple, I guess. They're looking at each other, aren't they, in that, in that image? Yeah, I, um, I, I, is- I think that's, that's key to this image. Mm-hmm. But what's also interesting at the same time is the, the divine leaves that are covering up their genitals. It also tells you something about what what is possible in imagery and what was possible, and 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 the sort of again that idea of temptation that underlies this: what you can show and what you cannot show. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's and it's still present today. I mean, you know. Uh, the naked body, um, and we only have to see it. I think you know Megan the Stallion's most recent song, um, WAP. That sort of—I don't know if you're you're aware of it, but it's I, I have been huge... listening to WAP. Yes, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, something like that. You know, that is—it's still that that still has the ability to shock and sort of create conversation. Um, in the same way that I, you know, maybe um, uh, Cranach at the time was 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 the Megan the Stallion um, <laughs> of, of, of his time. In I, the I way think that he, you, you, know, you must be the first person ever to make that comparison. But well, I, I, I'm 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 proud. I, yeah, I, I think you should be. But <laughs> I think you're you're absolutely right. I think good art, or you, you don't have to agree that it's, but art that makes an impact is always art that is controversial. That doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be in an explicit way, but there has to be something that you can either love or hate. It has to have a, a strong emotion. I think so. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that would be really interesting when we come later on um, in, and talk about Tracy Emin, because, I mean, her works continue to shock and you know, has so much controversy around them um, and, and loads of questions and almost anger sometimes people get to sort of her works. Um, so I think that would be very interesting to discuss later on as well. Um, I also was fascinated with this image about the um, the symbolism that they've got with all the different animals. is something I, I saw on, online with... Um, the, the the sort of different animal again this idea that animals um in in this in this image sort of in the very back corner there's a horse who's moving away from the scene yeah um and it, that that horse can sort of be seen to represent christ and sort of he's trying to the animals are sort of leaving the picture as the sin comes into it and yeah I, I, of, I think again it's that distinction that is made between animals as almost something pure something good mm-hmm. and human beings are the ones that are transgressing Mm-hmm. And it's um and it, it it's strange because I guess again we almost wear that badge with pride to some extent. So it's it's interesting. I think although and this is something I pres- I think will come out in our conversation as well. But I think it's very it's very clear that sin is very different from you know it doesn't necessarily align with with um with something bad. Perhaps it's something actually sometimes we we you know in society we wear with pride um and, and sort of almost quite happy with. So it's it, it's interesting how that um how that those two um ideas come together um to some extent yeah i i think so i think there's definitely some people that are proud sinners in a well mm-hmm. I, I think uh it was was luther who actually said that you have to sin boldly when you sin so that's a quite mm-hmm. an interesting thing to think about especially as, as the cranach picture was uh was, was painted in sort of the environment of luther during the early reformation Come out, Virginia, don't any wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. All the sooner or later it comes down to fate. Um, if we move on to um the an, an image which is sort of the first image that we've got from the from the New Testament, um, it's Christ and the woman taken adultery by um by uh, Peter Bruegel the Elder. I don't know if that's yeah. is, are they is, are they related to um to Jan Bruegel? No, it's one that hasn't got an H. His father so, actually. His it's father. his father. Oh, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we are. Wow. Um. So so there we are. We've, we've kept it in the family. Um. There's no nepotism there. Um. But uh, we've got a, a very classic image here of of the scene in which um sort of there's a woman who's taking adultery and, and Christ um comes up to her and says uh and to everyone else and says to them you know the one who is without sin cast the first stone which has sort of become uh, a a phrase even outside of a religious context um in in our society was was that part of the reason why you chose this painting um to be part of the exhibition i think you're onto something there i, I think mm-hmm. it's an incredibly powerful sentence that from the gospel of john he that mm-hmm. is without sin among you let him cast the first stone at her and but what you said is very important um although that is a sentence from the gospel of john from the new testament the repercussions of that go far beyond that. It's, it's always, almost become a secularized expression. And mm-hmm. I think by showing how this, this system of, of, of sin is, is rooted in some ways in a, in a biblical narrative, it has an afterlife and a, and a much wider existence far beyond that. There's very much a secularized idea of sin that is equally strong. And you think it was because it came from that biblical um, idea that sort of inc- allowed it to sort of remain um, so potent today? 
I think, it, I mean, because it's, it's, it's probably one of the most widely uh, known texts in the world, I think, yeah, you cannot deny that. But you have to imagine that it, it, the ideas about sin, maybe not using that exact term, existed uh, way before the Old and the New Testament were written. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always been an idea of good and bad that uh, across religions, uh, across history. Um, I'm also intrigued by the fact that um, in the image, um, you've got uh, sort of Christ bending down and he's writing out um, a phrase from the Bible, the sins of the fathers will go on to the sins for three generations, um, which is, was sort of a, 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 this idea of sort of being tainted um, throughout generations by the sins of, of what we faced. And I, that for me, I think has found such newfound prevalence and importance, um, even over the last few months with ideas about legacy um, and the legacy of racism and other sort of things. We, we think to ourselves that I think today that we're not bound by what our parents did. But I think on the other hand, I think that idea seems to still still exist and something that we're sort of as a as a country and almost as, as a world we're starting to realize that it's not really as simple as that. Yeah, and I think that that expression, uh, that, that, that idea of, of sin uh, expresses in language in two very important metaphorical ways. Sin mm-hmm. is often discussed as a burden, something you have to carry on your shoulders, and indeed mm-hmm. something that you can inherit and have to carry on your shoulders. But also the idea of sin as a debt, a debt that has to be repaid at some point, not necessarily by the person who committed that sin. That's a very interesting way to think about this. Mm-hmm. And that and that plays very nicely, the idea of punishment, um, plays very nicely actually into our next piece, which is Marriage a la Mode, um, which is such a fun um, piece. And I, when I went to the National Gallery the other week, it, it's there with all six um, of the of the sort of um, scenes um, by Hogarth. Um, and the the the, the, pic, the painting of the, the scene that you've chosen actually could you give some context of the painting and, and maybe as as to why you've chosen this scene specifically well i i think uh, hogarth is such a master at, at depicting or at least holding up a mirror confronting us with with very recognizable behavior and mm-hmm. often very recognizable sins and i think the mariage la mode series is a, is a perfect example of that the scene I selected for the exhibition is the second scene in, in the series. And it, it really shows a sort of decadent, almost celebration of, of, of a failed marriage where uh, adultery is, is more important than a loving relationship. But Hogarth is, is such a clever painter. What he does is he uses pictures within pictures all the time. So if you take a close look at, at the tete-a-tete, as this picture is called, if you look mm-hmm. in the back room of the, the, this house where this uh, couple sits in their drawing room, you can see there's a, there's a number of pictures on their wall. And there seem to be four saints on the back wall, sort of full-length mm-hmm. 16th century pictures of saints. But next to that is also a picture of probably a naked Venus, and it's covered up by a curtain and only the, mm-hmm. only the foot of this naked woman sticks out. So it's about this juxtaposition of virtue and vice, quite literally. And I think Hogarth does that very cleverly. Mm, definitely. And and, and I, I was also struck um, by sort of the very 
um, explicit sort of black mark um, that the protagonist, the male protagonist has on his neck um, in the painting as well, which sort of symbolizes um, syphilis that he, that he might have picked up through um, sort of, I guess, his, his sleeping around or, or his, um, his adultery um, that he was sort of committing against, against his wife. Yeah, it's, it's um, almost an outward sign of sin. As if yes, exactly. literally tainted by it. Yeah, a, a mark, a mark, yeah, a mark on your door, effectively, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think this is a good time to ask for your first. I asked you to bring some some pieces um, that you thought might be relevant um, for the exhibition, or might go quite well hand in hand. Um, the first piece you've chosen is "Whiskey and Women" by John Lee Hooker. Um, why did you choose that? Uh, well, when I thought about music and sin, I, I very naturally had to think of the blues. Uh, because I think the blues is a, is, a, is a genre of music that is all about the human condition and our shortcomings. And in some ways, accepting those shortcomings and in, in other ways, celebrating those shortcomings. But this very, well, it seems like a very s- simple song. I mean, I couldn't do it. But that's the clever mm-hmm. bit of the blues, I think, is making something complicated sound easy. But John Lee Hooker singing about his life and the, the two things that always sort of get to him, whiskey and women, these, these recurring temptations in a way. And he sings about the nightlife, that idea of the nightlife as, a, as, a, as opposed to the, the, the life during the day is, 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 is a beautiful metaphor for sin, I think. The idea of, of something light and dark, the idea of, of something that is almost unavoidable and I think John Lee Hooker is a, is a well, great singer. Whiskey and women, I'm gonna rig my life. Whiskey and women, I'm gonna rig my life. That was um, Whiskey and Women by John Lee Hooker. We were talking about syphilis, um, and that's something that, uh, and the idea of it lurking in the background, um, and that's something that we see also um, in the Bronzino painting that you've included in the um, exhibition as well, um, an allegory with Venus and Cupid, again, one of the most famous works that we have at the National Gallery. Um, why did you choose this piece specifically? I, uh, well, very selfish reason is that it's one of my favourite pictures in the collection. But that's mm-hmm. not that's not a good reason of selecting it for the <laughs> exhibition. Um, to me, it's it's it almost shows how in a, this is a, a theme from classical antiquity, Venus and Cupid, in a very complicated allegorical setting. It's a very mysterious picture. No one will ever give sort of the full story of what's happening here, and I don't think it's supposed to do that. It's, it's, it's almost quite terrifying in just how confusing it is, yeah. I find at least. Now, it's an eternal puzzle, but to me it has these elements of, that are so fascinating. Um, I mean, if you think about the story of Adam and Eve, this is also, there's there's some resonance of, the, of that story in this picture. There's a, There's a serpent, or at least a serpentine figure luring in the background. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a forbidden fruit as we find it in the Bible, but there's a golden apple. And there's this illicit relationship between a divine mother and son that is quite explicitly painted. I mean, look how, how Cupid is, is grasping his mother's nipple. There's mm-hmm. there's actually a, a tongue entering a mouth. It's it's mm-hmm. even when it was painted, it was quite an explicit picture. But the amazing thing about this as in with the institutional history within the National Gallery 
is that when uh, Sir Charles Eastlake, who was then director of the National Gallery when this was acquired in 1860, uh, also saw that this was something that would probably cause a lot of controversy if it was to be displayed in the National Gallery. And he had actually had a restorer cover some up, uh, cover up some of the more explicit parts of this picture. So oh, it, wow. it has this really long history that says something about sin, I think. Exactly. And, and, it, and it's so striking. And I think for, for me, I think firstly, there's, there's the man in the top corner with his hand sort of grasping backwards and with his beard. That just I, The way his eyes and his, 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 his brows are, just there's something quite terrifying about that. And then in the back corner, you've got this, this almost gargoyle-like figure screaming, yeah, um, which you don't, again, torment. you don't notice at the beginning, um, which, is, which I think it's just, it's just, it, it just comes out at you. And then all of a sudden, you, just got, you almost can keep digging in that painting for ages. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a picture that always gives more, a picture I, I can never stop looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, you know, I think it, it's, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. Um, my favorite p- uh, painting, the sort of, I, I hadn't, um, seen before when I was sort of researching, um, the paintings in the exhibition, this certainly sort of was the most striking, I think, um, sort of the, the scapegoat by William Holman Hunt, um, for personal reasons, firstly, because, um, it's just been the Jewish festival of Yom Kippur. It was last Monday at the time of broadcast. Um, and this scene, um, from the old from the Old Testament of the story of the scapegoat being cast out into the wilderness, holding the sins of Israel um, in its uh, sort of on on its body, effectively. Um, firstly, sort of it just it's a beautiful depiction um, that I think is quite fascinating. But again, the actual idea itself is is also so fascinating, and and has brought forth the, you know the whole idea of a scapegoat, which is sort of still used to this day. Exactly. Is saying. Exactly, and we talked about the idea of the casting of the stone in the and the, the woman taken in adultery in the Brogel as something that resonates far beyond religion in a way. The idea of the scapegoat does it as well. I mean, I think if you open a newspaper every day, you'll find the word scapegoat somewhere. There's, mm-hmm. there's scapegoats all over the world, all the time. People are blamed for things they are not, they have nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the the the... the you have to look for this story in the Old Testament and, and the book of Leviticus. And I don't think a lot of people realize that's where the expression comes from. It's also a very unique iconography. Not many people have actually painted this scapegoat. But Holman Hunt was so fascinated by the subject that he even painted it twice. And these are pictures mm-hmm. you'll never forget when you see them. Completely. And it's something I, I, I know I, I really won't, especially also um, because there is, again, with as, as we've been talking about the idea of sort of a dark underbelly sort of running through paintings, this sort of the story behind this painting also sort of does have, to some extent, a bit of a dark underbelly that I was quite shocked by when I when I read about it. Just the idea that Holman Hunt, you know, he was fascinated by this image and that's why he painted it. But he also did it explicitly to try and convert Jews to Christianity. Um, and again, the idea of the scapegoat, um, I, th- I think, you know, speaking personally um, as a Jew as well, has, has been something that, you know, throughout the millennia, Jews have sort of, as well as sort of being the, the people who, who, you know, we read about the scapegoat and talk about it, we also have become the scapegoat to some extent. And that was almost reflected in, in his, his, again, his constant attempts um, and the church's constant attempts sort of at conversion um, throughout history. I think you're right. Um, and I think what your story also says is that uh, these pictures brings, 
different associations for everyone else. I mean, any individual uh, uh, visiting this exhibition uh, will, will have a very different idea of sin and will, will reflect on these pictures very differently. And I find that very interesting. Completely. And, and, and it's worth saying, obviously, that there are, there, you know, we, we have not discussed the exhaustive list of the paintings that, that are going to be in the exhibition. And, and I highly recommend to sort of there are a lot of other ones, youth as well. And although we haven't really got time to talk about it, it's another painting um, that I think certainly worth discussing. And I think for a lot of people will have real, um, a really interesting experience with as well. I wanted to end with the idea of sort of ambiguity. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that comes with it was just a kiss, which also um, is, is I think when we had our preliminary discussion about this as well you highlighted it you know it is so great for soho because it's it's sort of a neon sign um by tracy emin um and as we were talking about before tracy emin always is quite you know her her, her pieces are always so controversial and gripping i um, mean in what they've done and, and again it, it's so great that you've managed to incorporate such you know paintings from you know the 16 1700s and then something that is just so modern and so different yeah and, and we're very grateful that we can do that as well I think mm. I think the Tracy Emin piece, especially because it, it, it seems so simple, but it is so complicated. Those words in neon, it was just a kiss. Those words can mean so many different things. If you think of that picture by Bronzino, we just talked about, there's a very explicit kiss going on there. And the, the, idea, of, of the idea of something being just a kiss, that's something you can think about. You can also think about Christ's betrayal by Judas by kissing him mm -hmm. but you can also think about everyday life I mean I'm sure many people have said to someone in their life it was just a kiss but even that mm -hmm. sentence can mean very different things in different circumstances and I think that's what makes Tracy Emmons work so wonderful and to me it almost reads as a confession yes and the idea of confessing is, of course, very important for the story of sin, because it's a way of, of atonement. It's a way of dealing with your sins. And I think that that neon text in some ways is a very public confession. Mm -hmm. And it, whereas whereas almost it's something you might send to a text message to a friend or something, which is obviously so private. Exactly. Um, and when I think of confession also in, the, in, in sort of public um, sort of uh, pop culture, I also just think, I think of, um, you know, Fleabag and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the hot priest or whatever it was. And, and that, the, there's that scene that they have in the confession box as well. And this, you know, again, it still manages to, uh, to, to uh, be in the public imagination even today. Um, I, I think that's so fascinating. I still have to watch Fleabag. That's a good oh, reminder. Oh goodness! I have there we to. Are. That's. I feel like it's. It's. It will go very well hand in hand with. Um, that with will this be exhibition. my homework. That, that should, <laughs> definitely, it should be your homework. Um, it's. But, but anyone who's listening should definitely do both those things. Um, go to the exhibition and watch Fleabag. Um, perhaps in that order because you can watch Fleabag whenever you want. Um, <laughs> which is good. Right. We're good. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to um end off uh, with your second choice. Um, which are the aptly chosen It's a Sin um, by the Pet Shop Boys. Um, why did you choose this piece? I feel like I almost had to. <laughs> no, I love the Pet Shop Boys. And I think this yeah. song specifically, it's, it's such a wonderfully produced, almost a baroque piece of pop music. Mm -hmm. um, but its its core message is it's really interesting. The, the idea of everything I've ever done Everything I ever do, every place I've ever been, everywhere I'm going to, it's a sin. And mm -hmm. I think 
there's a lot of truth in that. It, it says something about almost the unavoidability of sin. Completely. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I am look forward again. You can go to the exhibition um, from the 7th of October um, this year all the way till the 3rd of January. It's free as well. Um, so you've got no excuse um, in uh, the National Gallery in London. Thank you, um, Dr. Juster, for coming on. Thank you very much, Samuel.